the lake, and a poolside bar open weekends. So whether you are looking for a weekend getaway or you're in the market for none of the stress but all of the comforts of condo ownership, Lakeside Lodge is the perfect place to cool off. To find out more, go to lakesidelodgeclemson.com. Winning season returns at MyBookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means Survivor, Super Contest, and Squares. At MyBookie, winning season means hitting all your parlays and props with your feet up, watching your team trounce their rivals. Rejoice! It's time to celebrate the NFL season. Invest in your intuition. Use promo code WCCP and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. From live betting to championship futures, every play you want to make is waiting at MyBookie. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Use promo code WCCP and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie. It's time for the Mark Childress Show on 105.5 The Roar. Sports from a different angle with national guests and exclusive player and coach interviews. And now, Mark Childress. Welcome in, everybody, to the Mark Childress Show, episode number 54 here in season two. Thank you so much for hanging out with me this evening. I am the only show in the upstate of South Carolina that is simulcast. If you are listening in your car, if you are listening in an internet browser on the Roar app, come on over to Facebook. You can go to the Roar's Facebook page or the Mark Childress Show Facebook page. I do this show from the Bronx Studios in Greenville, South Carolina. they got a fantastic setup here if you're already watching on Facebook. Um, great place to do a show from. You can participate with the show uh, there. Jump in the comments. Uh, we keep the microphones open during the breaks as well. So uh, everything is good to go there. Uh, jam-packed show here this evening. I've got a number of guests. Uh, Richmond Weaver normally sits right by me here in the Bronx Studios. He is not going to be here with me tonight, but he will be calling in at 725. We'll catch up with him about his uh, lucky Dallas Cowboys and their victory over the weekend. We'll also talk Clemson football and college football. Ellis Tolbert joins me at 8 o'clock. We're going to do some X's and O's about the Clemson Tigers. I'm really interested to see what Ellis's thoughts are. He, of course, has his 4th and 16th sports show that he does every Tuesday night. Uh, interested to get uh, super granular with Ellis about about uh, what he sees differently from the Tigers this year, what he likes and what he does not like. Joanne Bethay from uh, the uh, Clemson Insider uh, will also be uh, joining us about 825 today. And then uh, Morgan Thomas at 830 from the Morgan Thomas Show um, will be joining us and uh, hanging out with us at 830. And uh, we'll be talking to him as well. So plenty going on. Again, thank you very much if you're joining us uh, on the radio side or if you're joining us on the Facebook side. Also, um, 654 Please give me a call. Get in here and talk sports. We'll have a lot more open phones than, uh, than usual tonight without uh, Richmond here. Would love to talk to you. Would love to hear from you. Uh, so give us a ring and we will go from there. All right, we're going to do things a little bit differently tonight. I have a guest in studio here, and to make everything work from a logistical perspective, he's sitting across the room from me, but we'll bring him in anyway. It's Facts and Childress. Facts and Man, what's going on, dude? Nothing much, just excited to be here, talk about some football. I mean, I'm usually with Ellis on Tuesday nights, doing 4th and 16, so this is a bit uh, a bit different. 
Yeah, it's a bit different. It's the first time on with me, so it's an honor, of course, uh, to have you. Uh, I like to start off the show every week looking back at the Clemson game from Saturday. Uh, what's your biggest takeaway or two that you had from the ball game? Uh, biggest takeaway would definitely be Miles Murphy in the D-line continuing to yeah. dominate against that triple option. Um, triple option. We're not going to see it again this year uh, if you're a Tigers fan. But it's definitely good to be prepared uh, if, some, if a team has a set like that that they could come out in. And it was just really good showing by the entire defense. Uh, super impressed with the linebacking core. Super impressed with the D-line. Yeah, I was as well. And uh, not that we thought that either Murphy or Brissy was going to be a one-hit wonder, right? Uh, we didn't think that at all. But they showed out again in the second game. Of course, the strip sack from Miles Murphy, uh, the tackle for loss. Also, if you see uh, one of the other tackles for loss that uh, Miles Murphy had, it's because the running back like saw Brian Brissett was running right towards him, and he turned around and ran the other direction, right into the arms of Miles Murphy to be able to get the tackle there. So two true freshmen, man, playing like I, I feel like they're playing like juniors or seniors already. Yeah, it's been really impressive to see, and just Murphy and Brissett on the inside, and they can both line up at DN or D tackle. I mean, Brissett's been lining up more inside, Murphy more outside, but they both have the physical build, and they're fast enough to get off the edge or line up inside. That's super valuable to have, especially as a freshman, and they're just going to get better. I agree. Uh, anything you can take away from the offensive side obviously touchdowns on seven consecutive drives to open the game and i know it's the citadel but i continue to be extremely impressed especially with uh trevor lawrence throwing with a surgical precision i mean sunday throws is what i talk about right he had a couple of throws that literally had to be thrown into a box you know maybe two feet high and wide i i remember specifically on a couple of the touchdown throws and uh he just makes them with ease yeah i think that was the second touchdown throw of the game that frank Gladson Jr., which was just uh, the Citadel safety was coming over the top and covered three, and he was getting trailed from the left side, and Trevor just slotted it right in between him, right in the Frank Gladson's hands. And Frank Gladson had a really great game. I mean, we've seen that he's had some issues dropping the ball uh, in the past, and he really balled out. We see how fast he is. He's got to have 4-4 speed. He was blazing down the line. He beat the Citadel guy by three or four steps on his first deep touchdown. And uh, if he can catch the ball consistently, he's going to be a big threat for the Tigers this year. If you remember back in 2017, um, there was a wide receiver that had a breakout game against the Citadel, and that's T. Higgins. Remember, he had kind of the circus catch, the bobbling catch in the end zone, and then uh, had the tiptoe down the sidelines. Man, I want to say it was about a 74, 75-yard touchdown pass. So T. Higgins had his breakout game there. Not saying Frank Latz is going to be T. Higgins. They're a little bit different kind of wide receivers even though they look the same but uh, I thought some big stuff uh, from there as well and uh, now you get the break I mean at the beginning of the season when I looked the first time I wasn't super excited about road game home game by week but I feel like especially with all the craziness going on with some COVID game cancellations and things like that right now it feels like it's coming at the perfect time would you agree Yes, and the most important thing is nobody is injured. We've gotten through these first two games, and there's been no major injuries. No one's blown out their knee or anything. So this, this bye week should prevent more injuries. And let's hope that the Tigers can take care of business in Death Valley at 8 o'clock, uh, two Saturdays from now, against uh, the Virginia Cavaliers, and there will be no injuries in that game either. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good way. And then obviously staying virus-free I think is important as well. We've got some people jumping in on the Facebook comments. And again, if you're listening in your car, on the app, and an internet browser, come on over to Facebook. I'm on the uh, Roar's Facebook page, the Mark Children's Show Facebook page. We've got uh, Chadwick jumping in here. Didn't understand at all why they didn't score in the second half. Well, there were a lot of, a lot of backups played uh, throughout the second half. And uh, I think the execution needs to be a little bit better. But it's getting these reps now, getting, again, you're getting like full units almost 
almost coming in as second and third string guys. You've got to get these guys reps, especially with the virus being out there. You're going to have a moment later in the year where that second string offensive lineman is going to have to make a key block to spring Travis Etienne for a late touchdown in an important game. You're going to have a defensive back that's got to get a finger on that ball to prevent a wide receiver from catching it late. I'm not all that worried about it, but we've definitely looked pretty rusty in the second half of the last two games. Yeah, and I think it's more indicative on the skill groups and the position players rather than the quarterbacks. I mean, a lot of people want to jump yes. to conclusions about DJ Angolele and uh, Tyson Pumachan. I, I, I honestly have not been – I'm not mad at either of the performances they put up. I mean, we saw what DJ did when he was in with the mixtures of the ones and twos. He led the Tigers right down the field twice, got two rushing touchdowns, could have had a throwing touchdown, the rim mm-hmm. drop. Um, Tyson did not look as great throwing the ball, but we know what he can do with his legs. I mean, Debo Sweeney stated that he might be the best pure runner on the team behind Travis Etienne. So I'm not really concerned with the backup QB play. Uh, I would say more establishing a QB, two is more necessary at this point. But the backup offensive line was disastrous, and I think a lot of that is these guys are probably used to in practice being rotated in and out with the ones. And and in the second half, it was the entire second unit, like you said, on the offensive line. And they're young. They're really, really young. They were getting manhandled. And I think it's three or four freshmen on that O-line. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to delve too deep into it. Let's just hope that Clemson doesn't have any injuries, and if they do, that these freshmen can improve and thrive in their situations. So, Uwe Ungalale, um, such a big guy, and I know that the Cam Newton comparisons have to be coming just from a size perspective. He's got Taj Boyd, is uh, is who he reminds me of a little bit, even though what is he, probably three inches taller than, uh, than Taj, and maybe 10 or 15 pounds heavier. He's just a physical specimen. You can see the talent there. Yeah, and he runs the ball a lot like Taj. He's kind of, when he gets the ball, he kind of hesitates a little. He looks for his blockers, and he's already just super poised in the pocket. He had a couple throws that I, I bet he wishes he had back, but that's just going to come with time, and uh, it's going to come with just settling down. I mean, he can hum the ball, and there were a couple throws where I didn't think he had to throw it as hard as he did, and he almost blew the receivers <laughs> over uh, because he was throwing it so hard. But I was really impressed with him as a runner more than anything, and I think he, he just looks super poised and comfortable. And I think that extra semester that he had in the fall to come in and learn the play book will pay dividends in the future. Yeah, if you remember back to 2012-2013, that era with Taj Boyd, if it was third down and less and two or less, or fourth down and two or less, it was the snap to Taj, he would kind of do a little hesitation, and he would hit the hole. And I got to say the, the pickup percentage on that play alone had to be 95% oh, yeah. over those seasons. It was unstoppable. I see that being a big play in the future for the Tigers. Yeah, especially because, like you said, DJ's got that Cam Newton-esque build, and we saw him on Monday Night Football. Cam Newton is back. He's got four rushing touchdowns already this season. DJ had two rushing touchdowns in that game. I mean, and they've got a lot of similarities as a player, um, and I think that DJ can really use his size to help pick up uh, pick up short yardage in the run game instead of maybe having to hand the ball off to a back end. Maybe one of your O-linemen blows a box or throws the ball on third and short. And we haven't really seen a lot of designed runs in like the last era of Clemson football with Trevor Lawrence because that's not really his thing, even though he can run. Yeah, but the third and short game has been quick passes or getting the ball to Travis. But I think next year especially, you're going to see a lot of designed runs for DJ to try to get him into the groove of games. So you think less read option runs and, and some just definite just straight up DJ runs? Yes, I, think, I would agree with that. I think you're going to see, like you said, that Taj Boyd play where you mm-hmm. bring a receiver in motion. He kind of fakes the handoff and then he hesitates and just puts his head down because he's so big. These guys can't stop his momentum going forward. He's going to be able to reach and grab that one or two yards necessary to get the first down. 
It's like tackling a linebacker. I mean, that's essentially what you're having to bring down. So that's interesting. Some stats I pulled here. Trevor Lawrence threw four quarters and some change. 30 for 37. That's an 81.1% completion rate. 519 yards, seven touchdowns, three rushing. I know it's against Wake Forest and Citadel, but if you remember back to last year, I don't want to say sophomore slump for Trevor, but he definitely was struggling early in the season. And he even kind of copped to it in the fourth or fifth week of the season where he said, I've been trying too hard. I've been trying to do everything perfectly. I've been too, been too much pressure on myself. I need to kind of relax a little bit uh, after that North Carolina game and see if I can just, uh, you know, go back to just playing football. And after that, he went basically scorched earth for the rest of the season. He's starting out that way this year. That's going to be scary for a lot of teams. Yeah, and it's not really shocking when, I mean, he's t- he's been touted as the greatest QB prospect ever and there were a lot of doubters of Trevor Lawrence after last year's national title game in which we saw him play probably his worst football game as a Clemson Tiger so that kind of left a sour taste in everyone's mouth with Trevor Lawrence thinking is this guy legit and he's just come out this year and proved, and he's shutting up everybody and I think that he's motivated more than ever this year after he got outplayed by Joe Burrow in that national title game and he's obviously got to have that in the back of his head so hopefully he's using that as motivation to come out and lead the Tigers to another national title before inevitably going number one in the NFL draft. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you on that. Hey, if you want to get in, if you've got any questions for us, you want to talk Clemson football, college football in general, even NFL stuff, 864-654-7627. You can get in the comments here in uh, Facebook as well. Uh, we're over on the Roars Facebook page and on the Mark Childress Show Facebook page. Another uh, stat that I pulled from the game this past weekend, Clemson is tied for the FBS lead with 10 sacks. 10 different players have added at least half a sack this season, making it 70 different players who have recorded at least half a sack for Clemson since 2014. It's the calling card to the Brent Venables defense. It's the pressure that he gets from the defensive line. It's finding a way to get those defensive ends, especially into the backfield. It's constantly sending extra bodies in unexpected times, whether it's linebackers or defensive backs. Nobody in college football does it anywhere close to as well as Brent Venables does it. And I was just stunned. 70 different players with at least a half a sack since 2014. That's unbelievable. Yeah, and it really just speaks to the depth and the recruiting of the Tigers. I mean, you don't see a lot of three or four stars commit to Clemson nowadays because Clemson's such a prominent program. But when you do, it's typically on the D-line. And by their fourth year, they're typically a starter and a household man. So it's really impressive just for the entire staff development-wise and rotation-wise. Like you said, these guys are getting snaps since freshman year. That's just how Clemson does it. Yep. And uh, I would say that last year... It was probably a down year for the Clemson D-line, and it came back to bite them as they couldn't touch Joe Burrow in the national championship game. Clemson will not have that problem at all this year if they continue this current form they're on. I think that the depth of the defensive line is probably the strongest point of the team after being a weak point last year, and this is without Xavier Thomas. So yes. It's going to be really scary next year because the majority of these guys are coming back. Yep. And uh, Xavier Thomas, I think, is going to be back uh, earlier than expected when he found out he could play more than four games this year. Uh, there was an article written last week, Tiger Net, I believe it was David Hood, saying that uh, Xavier's already doing some individual workout stuff uh, and doing some other things as well. So uh, definitely something to keep your eye on there. Hey, if you're just getting in your car, maybe you're going to or from soccer practice uh, with your kids or t-ball or something like that, uh, there have been a couple of, uh, I guess, casualties of the upcoming weekend uh, due to COVID-19. Uh, the biggest one of those, uh, Notre Dame at Wake Forest, that game has been postponed. Uh, it'll be rescheduled until December the 12th. Uh, Tulsa at Arkansas State, South Florida, USF, um, and of course, uh, Jeff Scott down there at Florida Atlantic has been postponed. North Texas at Houston. Man, Houston. 
They cannot get on the football field. They're getting a uh, game canceled every single weekend, it seems like. So uh, this is just becoming, I'm not going to use the term the new normal because I don't want it to be the new normal. But it's something we're having to pay attention to every day. It's not surprising at this point. Um, and these games continue to be dropped. Uh, with the Notre Dame-Wake Forest reschedule, that's going to be December 12th. That's going to make the ACC championship game on December 19th. If you remember, they kind of left that flexible. We might play it on the 12th. We might play it on the 19th. Now to be able to accommodate it, it looks like that the ACC championship game will be on the 19th, which will also provide maybe that other extra weekend of pad to get some of these uh, potential game postponements in there. And, uh, Vax, what's your take on all of it? The Notre Dame and the USF one's kind of weird because uh, Notre Dame had some positive tests. They lost some other players due to contact tracing. So I know South Florida, who played Notre Dame this weekend, went back and reviewed game film to start trying to figure out if there was contact issues there. They ended up postponing their game. Um, I don't want to say that's an ominous sign, but it's definitely worrisome. Yeah, it definitely is worrisome that a large chunk of the players on Notre Dame tested positive for the COVID-19. And obviously, these guys could have had COVID-19 when playing Duke as well. So I'm interested to see if there's any contact tracing there because the incubation period is up to 14 days. Um, so it's definitely concerning. I do think that this is a good thing for Clemson, as weird as it is to say, because this is just an extra week of film for the on Notre Dame if they potentially play them in the AC or uh, whoever they play in the AC title game. This is an extra week of film for Brent Venables to dissect their offense. And uh, it's probably an extra week of film for the national championship game, too, as I'm assuming that'll get bounced back as well. So this is good for the Tigers. Yeah, it, uh, it may very well. So, again, we just take it week by week right now and try and figure it all out and just uh, stay positive and keep our head down. I mean, the, uh, the SEC is back this weekend. Of course, uh, the Big 12 is back this weekend. So uh, whenever I've been pulling the... Uh, you know, I'll pull the, the schedules to look at and at least be able to reference during the show. Sometimes there's a really short list, and now it's a really long list. I could hardly even get it all on one page. So at least there's a bunch of games being played right now and a bunch of things going on from that perspective. So uh, so that's a good thing. All right, Faxon, we're going to bring you back uh, a little bit later on uh, in the show. Thanks for hopping in with me uh, for this segment. Um, we'll be bringing back. I'm going to talk SEC football with you, I think, a little bit in the third segment. Uh, but for right now, we're going to go ahead and take a break. Uh, Mr. Richmond Weaver, again, North Normally in studio with me. He had some business travel this week, so he is going to be jumping on with me via, via phone in the next segment. You're listening to The Mark Shoulders Show. Hey, football fans, do you own a home? Do you own a business? If so, are you interested in protecting your family, your business, or your customers from harmful virus, germs, or bacteria? Hey, I'm Brandon, the owner of BioPure, and we're a germ control company located right here in South Carolina. My team and I look forward to the opportunity to serve you. We're safe, we're effective, and we're affordable. Call 864-BIOPURE today. Mention Football 2020 for a discount on your first treatment. 864-BIOPURE. This is for the men who never settle. The ones who believe only quitters and a game and a tie. The type of guys who choose the bar with the biggest TVs to overcompensate for theirs at home. This is the Lodge mentality. This is Twin Peaks. If you want a Honda, Acura, Lexus, or Toyota, there's only one place to get your car, SUV, or truck serviced. That's First Class Halt. Halt stands for Honda, Acura, Lexus, and Toyota. That's all they do, and they do it well. And they back it up with some of the best warranties in the upstate. Be sure to check them out online. The latest specials can be found at firstclasshalt.com. That's firstclasshalt.com. Or visit them in Greenville at 1304 Roper Mountain Road or in Anderson at 4135 Clemson Boulevard. That's First Class Halt. 
Circumstances continue to drive uncertainties for families in our communities. One constant you can consider is the funding available for your student to attend college. Thanks to the South Carolina Workforce Industry Needs Scholarship, Tri-County students majoring in critical workforce areas like healthcare, manufacturing, computers, criminal justice, or early childhood may be eligible for a scholarship that pays $100 per credit hour. Learn more at tctc.edu forward slash scwins. In this climate, we need to be smart about how we do business. Luckily, there's Stamps.com to make things easier. Thousands of small businesses have discovered the benefits of Stamps.com in recent years. They've been able to keep their businesses running and avoid the crowds at the post office, all from the convenience of their own computers. Stamps.com can help you whether you're a small business sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or just working from home and need to mail stuff. Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail's ready, just leave it for your carrier, schedule a pickup, or drop it in the mailbox. It's that simple. With Stamps.com, you get great discounts, too. Five cents off every stamp, up to 62% off postage and UPS shipping rates. Right now, my listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in Road Rage. That's Stamps.com. Enter Road Rage. Why shop Reed's Jewelers? Better yet, why not? Reed's Jewelers invites you to make them your jeweler. And you'll soon discover why so many like you now shop Reed's. From their award-winning staff to their impressive selection of jewelry to their customer-friendly financing, Reed's Jewelers Haywood Mall invites you to join the thousands of customers who have started a relationship with them. We'd love to see you. Reed's Jewelers Haywood Mall next to Belk. Online at reeds.com. And now, back to the Mark Childress Show on WCCP 105.5 The Roar. Welcome back in to the Mark Childress Show, episode number 54. Hanging out with you uh, on the radio side, and we're also the only show in the upstate that is simulcast over on Facebook as well. So if you're in your car, maybe you're listening on the Roar app. That's how I listen to the shows on the Roar most of the time, on the app. Uh, or in an internet browser, you can go on over to Facebook, either the Roar's Facebook page or the Mark Childress Show Facebook page. Hang out with us over there. I do this show from uh, Pronk Studios in Greenville, South Carolina, and i uh, got a great setup over here. Uh, it's a lot of fun, uh, a lot of room to spread out, and uh, Ramona helps us from back in the studio in uh, Clemson to, uh, you know, get everything done and up on the radio side. So uh, come hang out with us on Facebook uh, if you'd like, and uh, you can go from there. Well, this man usually sits with me in studio, but uh, I had a little business travel this week, so I didn't want to go a week without being able to talk to him from Rich Take on Sports. Also does a uh, pregame show, um, the Angles uh, college football pregame show uh, every week before the Clemson Tigers play. Mr. Richmond Weaver. Richmond man, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, although I have a little bit of FOMO that I'm not in studio right now. I mean, I, I feel like I'm missing out. I need to be in the studio sitting right next to you. I know. We uh, brought Faxon in for the last segment, had him sitting on the couch over there. So we got all kinds of fun things that, uh, that we can do uh, when you get back, and it is weird uh, not being here. I also created a, uh, a graphic to use now that you're on the phone, Richmond, so you have to go and check that out. So I'm going the extra mile for okay. you, man, whatever it takes. Yes, sir. I, I'm all official now. I, I think I have climbed the ladder then in terms of guests, right? <laughs> I've got my own graphic. Yeah, there we go. I like that. Thank you. 
You got your own graphics now. Hey, uh, real quick, we talked a lot about it in the last segment. Uh, any thoughts on the Clemson game from this past weekend? What stuck out to you the most? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's hard to really take a whole lot uh, from the game because of, obviously, the opponent itself. It would have been nice to see a repeat performance against somebody that was at least equivalent to Wake Forest. But at the end of the day, I think you just have to look at what we saw in the Wake Forest game and what Coach Sweeney was talking about, just clean play from the first group. And that's the way it seemed with Citadel as well. Uh, it just seemed very clean. Everybody was efficient, in sync. Uh, there were some issues, I think, when you started making some substitutions. But I think that's normal as well, just because of everything that's been going on where you haven't had a whole lot of true practice time to be able to rotate guys in and out and everybody understanding their roles uh, in different situations. But, again, I think you have to look at it. The group one guys, man, Clemson is loaded. And once these younger guys actually get some, some more reps and get some more playing time, I think there's going to be a lot of depth from Clemson's perspective. And then at the end of the day, there were no major injuries. So you've got to be very pleased how that played out. Yeah, again, hanging out with uh, Richmond Weaver from uh, Rich Take on Sports Podcast. And uh, usually with me in studio, couldn't have him here this week, so uh, joining me by phone. Uh, Deontay got in here on Facebook, Richmond, and uh, we had the question on Facebook in the first segment as well. Um, Clemson's reserves struggling to move the ball in the first two games in the second half. Um, I don't think I'm concerned about it. Uh, obviously, wholesale mass substitutions. Uh, sometimes you had full uh, units coming in, it felt like, almost, of replacements. Um, I don't think it was on uh, DJ or even uh, Tyson necessarily. Um, just some sloppy play, couldn't quite execute enough, but getting these reps in is super important for these guys long term. Would you agree? It definitely Oh, yes, without a doubt. And just remember, also, you had two unique situations occurring. One, for some of these guys, it was really, against Wake Forest, their first true playing opportunity. And then, now that was on the road, and then you come home to Death Valley, and it's now their first true opportunity of playing in Death Valley, running down the hill. There's a whole other set of emotions that's going on. It's a unique environment with not 82,000 fans there. So I, I think you have to look at it from that perspective and, again, just reflect back that they haven't had the same type of preparation. But if there's anybody in the coaching staff that's going to put these learning moments together in, in a way that can be teaching moments and help continue build unity and have these guys prepared, it's Coach Sweeney and his staff. I think he thrives in these type of situations in terms of learning moments and being able to have constructive criticism through film breakthrough. And now that they've got the, the open week weekend, I should say, I think that helps them a lot in preparation for the stretch in October. Yeah, I'm in agreement, and it is going to be an interesting stretch uh, coming off of the bye week. They'll have uh, four home games, I think six consecutive ACC games, so uh, that's definitely going to be interesting to watch uh, and figure out as well. Uh, continuing on with Richmond Weaver, Rich Take on Sports. So I'm a big uh, Washington football team fan. Richmond is a big Cowboys fan. Richmond, have you ever seen an onside kick and a weirder end uh, to an NFL football game than that Cowboys-Falcons game this past weekend? That's got to be in the top five all time. Number one all-time, especially as a Dallas Cowboy fan. I've never seen a situation where an onside kick like that with no kicking tee 
you're typically seeing the try to get, you know, a bullet kick to bounce off somebody or, you know, a high kick so you can run the 10 yards and then be able to jump and grab the ball. But I've never seen a kick like that. And in essence, it was like a foul ball going down the third base line. And everybody's just staring at it, waiting for it to go foul. And it never does. And that's what it reminded me of. Just the kick was perfection. And then just obviously the situation where I think the Falcons were just frozen. They didn't really understand what to do. Uh, Maybe there was confusion, what the rule was. Could they jump on it? Could they not? And then I think, you know, I've read that some of the uh, Cowboy players on the sidelines were yelling, don't touch it, don't touch it. So were the Falcons hearing that as well? Uh, And did that make them freeze even more? But I've never seen anything play out the way it did. And then to be able to also recover it and then get enough yards to go down and kick the game-winning field goal. Just absolutely amazing. And this is the highs and lows of a Cowboys fan, though. (laughs) Because the whole game was just a microcosm of what we've been experiencing uh, since the 1995 season. Uh, Just the ups and downs. And if you're a Falcon fan, man, just the constant pain and suffering and, of course, all the 28-3 to jokes from the Super Bowl that they blew to the New England Patriots, just watching, it felt like watching a car crash. I mean, you, you felt it the entire second half that they were going to find a way to give it away. You know, you could argue that this is Atlanta sports in general, but just a disaster for Dan Quinn and his bunch. And, again, par for the course for Atlanta teams. They get right up to that edge of success, and then they blow it. And, and it's happening enough, and it's happening enough under Dan Quinn that it's hard to, to argue that this isn't what they are. Agreed 100%. And as a Cowboys fan watching the game, and I can be honest with you here, there was a time, even early on, I kept saying, hey, it's okay. Dallas is going to make a comeback here. Might not win the game, but they're going to make it close enough that it's going to come down to the wire even when they were down by 20 points, I still felt very confident that the Cowboys could pull out uh, an opportunity to win the game. And sure enough, they did. And I think some of that was just based on that it was the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know if I would have felt that way with some other teams, but just how the Falcons seem to have this situation where they self-implode, especially later uh, in the game. And obviously it played out just what we've seen historically with the Falcons. Yeah, no doubt. It was uh, very painful to watch, unless you were a Cowboy fan. Uh, So uh, it's interesting. The NFC East looks just absolutely terrible. The Eagles played awful (laughs) again. Uh, The Giants did not look good. The Redskins played like uh, or the Washington football team. I did it again, man. I do it every week. Uh, Washington football team is my favorite team. But they played about how I expected them to play. I don't think Dwayne Haskins is the answer at at quarterback. Um, And, you know, Washington fell behind 17-0 really early on, just like they did to the Eagles, but did not have enough gas in the tank to come back this time. So I think the Redskins are headed in the wrong direction. And uh, we joke, and you always joke, that the Cowboys might be 8-8 eight and eight this season. That might win this division. Uh, the Eagles have so many injuries. Oh, they had so. a bunch more uh, during the game last week. Um, Faxon was telling me earlier, Jalen Rager is going to be out for eight weeks now because he tore a ligament in his thumb. Um, they cannot stay healthy at all. I've never seen a team have some more injuries than the Eagles. So you got to be bullish, at least uh, on your Cowboys, from that perspective. Oh, definitely. And obviously with the situation with Saquon 
Saquon Barkley going down, so I would oh, that's basically right. eliminate the Giants, you know, from from that uh, equation as well. So the NFC East, you would think it's a wide open runway for the Cowboys to win it, and I would yeah. be highly disappointed if the Cowboys don't win the NFC East. Uh, but I also know the Cowboys that again that eight and eight is probably where they'll fall, but I do think that's enough to win win the East and. I'm hoping, though, that there could be something out of this game. The way they beat the Falcons, the way it happened, sometimes that just sparks and signifies some type of magical season. And I just draw back to the 2016 season for Clemson when NC State has Clemson beat. All they've got to do is kick a chip shot field goal to win the game, and they don't. And... Uh, granted, Clemson, you know, would lose to Pittsburgh, but if they would have lost to that NC State team, then that would have eliminated them from the opportunity of playing for a national championship, uh, and even and particularly an ACC championship. So you never know when one game can actually uh, be that catalyst to have some type of magical season. That doesn't mean the Cowboys are going to go 13-3, and but could they win the East and then get into the playoffs and make some type of run? Yeah, the idea of a magical season for the Cowboys makes me nauseous. But, uh, hey, man, if you want to get on board with that, I like the parallel. You can you can run with it. You can uh, you can make it work uh, however you like. All right, so, Richmond, uh, we talked about this a little bit on the show. You are in medical sales for a living. So two medical-related stories, and I know you've been traveling today. You might have missed them. Um, I did see this. There were seven torn ACLs in week two of the NFL season. Disappointed but relieved is what uh, you know. Some people are saying, but seven torn ACLs, and these were some big names that went down. Do you think the lack of preseason games, um, maybe these bodies aren't ready for the full tilt, full bore go for four quarters of the NFL? You think that could be it, or do you think it's just coincidence? Well, I think it's probably a factor of both. I, I think it is a little bit of coincidence that it's some of the big names, and I think. From that perspective, I don't know if it would have the same type of attention if it was just the you know the 53rd man on the roster if it was a torn ACL yeah. there. But it's because of these big names. But I do think there's an aspect of what we're seeing, and, and I did hear a little bit about this, and I heard some discussions regarding this. Is this based on a situation where they didn't have the preseason games? And I think there's parallels here in terms of, I think those types of injuries, based on the data that the NFL has right now, those injuries typically did occur in the preseason games in weeks number two and three. But now we're seeing them in the regular season. So I don't know if it's necessarily that because they didn't have the preseason that they're having these injuries. I just think it's happening now in the regular season because this is now the first time they're really having some of these true game actions uh and we would typically see some of these injuries in the preseason but now we didn't have the preseason so it's hard to pinpoint that it's not that it's because there wasn't any preseason i don't think that that is the the one reason that you could uh pinpoint it on 
Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in agreement with you on that. And then uh, another really strange story today: the the Chargers team doctor accidentally punctured his own quarterback Tyrod Taylor's lung just before kickoff on Sunday while trying to administer a painkilling injection to his cracked ribs. An absolute disaster for Tyrod Taylor, and just a really <laughs> weird story from uh, from the Chargers. And you know, Tyrod might be out for a good chunk of time now just from a little medical mishap before the games. That's a scary thought. It really is. And I don't know if many listeners know uh, in terms of cracked ribs and the pain medication that they can inject, it is a long needle because they're trying to get into a certain muscle that's almost uh, wrapped around <sighs> the, uh, the rib itself. So it's not an easy injection uh, from that perspective. And a lot of times I've that they will even use x-ray to be able to inject so they can make sure that they're not in danger of puncturing puncturing a lung i don't know what happened here uh, from the chargers team doctor's position but obviously not a good sign but in all reality i think justin herbert is the answer <laughs> in in yeah, san diego he played really well the los angeles chargers yes he played extremely well and i, I don't I wouldn't have any issues of having Herbert back out there as the starting quarterback. Yeah, I agree. Maybe that's a positive uh, to come out of that situation because they uh, they wouldn't have gone to him this early in the season otherwise. So they got to feel good about their quarterback situation because they have two guys that might uh, be able to play. All right, Richmond, uh, before you get out of here, uh, your Rich Take on Sports podcast, I know that's your passion. You do a great job. You've had a ton of episodes. Uh, anybody we can expect in uh, upcoming episodes that you can kind of tease for us? Yeah, I do have one upcoming, uh, Ben Newman, who's a, uh, he doesn't like to go by the name of a motivational speaker, but he, he's a, uh, a coach from a motivational side. He works with Kansas State, he works with Alabama, he works with the Rams, uh, a lot of different professional teams, and he's just a ball of energy and just an, a guy that uh, is in the you know the self belief type of mentality and just a motivator you know from that perspective. And then I'm getting ready to record one with uh, a former Tiger, Terrence Oglesby. So I'm excited about that, oh. and I think that's going to be a real good one. Yeah, I know some Tiger fans remember that three point shot against Maryland years ago when he was a freshman. Uh, and the comeback that Clemson had, but then just what he was able to do from a three-point perspective. I mean, he was purely a three-point uh, specialist and played overseas for a while, and uh, I I'm excited uh, to be able to have that one uh, to record in the next coming weeks. Great stuff, Mr. Richmond Weaver. Check out Rich Take on Sports' podcast. Uh, Richmond, sorry you couldn't be here with us this week. Uh, look forward to talking to you soon, buddy, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you. Great. Safe travels to you. And if you haven't checked out his Rich Take on Sports podcast, you definitely want to do that. Uh, he does a great job of interviewing. He is a gifted interviewer, gets a lot of the people that are on his podcast to really open up about how they fell in love with sports, uh, how sports has made a difference in their lives. Uh, you can find the Rich Take on Sports uh, Rich Take on Sports podcast anywhere that uh, you consume your podcast today. All right, coming up next, Faxon's going to be back in the house with me. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit SEC football. SEC and Big 12 coming back this weekend. Uh, curious to see which games you're looking forward to the most this weekend. This is the Mark Childress Show. Ball.
Buy your Clemson face mask locally and head to the Clemson Fan Shop at ACD Sports in Easley for the largest selection of face masks in the upstate. At ACD Sports, you'll find other great Clemson items like caps, magnets, apparel, decals, clear bags, and more. And Tug and Michelle will be glad to help you with your custom screen printing and embroidery needs for work, schools, and teams. Order your Clemson gear online at ClemsonFan.shop or stop by ACD Sports on Highway 123 in Easley by Chick-fil-A. Hey Clemson family, Eric McLean here and I want to tell you about my good friends at Duck Donuts in Greenville. Proud Clemson alumni Greg Terry and his wife Julie are happy to open their doors to you this season and their warm welcomes are just the start of your Duck Donuts experience. They've got the most delicious, warm, fresh donuts you'll ever eat, but the best part? They are all made to order with flavors for everyone in the family. Start your morning off right, go to the Plaza on Pelham or you can order online at duckdonuts.com. Hi, I'm Dabo Sweeney. One of the things that makes me proudest about being the head coach at Clemson is participating in the most exciting 25 seconds of college football, running down the hill after rubbing Howard's Rock. The roar from the crowd is deafening. Even though Howard's Rock is one of Clemson's most prized possessions, most of the time it sits all alone. That's why we depend on Priority One Security's video surveillance to keep Howard's Rock safe and secure. See us on the web at PriorityOneSecurity.com. That's Priority, the number one, Security.com. Arrowhead Point Golf Course on Lake Richard B. Russell in Alberton, Georgia invites you to stay and play. For just $178 each, based on four players, you can enjoy two nights stay, two rounds of golf, two meals, and if you mention this ad, free replays. Cottages have two bedrooms, two baths, and fully stocked kitchen, sun porch, grill, dock and beach access. Some cottages are newly renovated. Stay and play. Arrowhead Point Golf Course, 706-283-6000. Pop a big bow box and feed a family of four of eight pieces of chicken, biscuits, fixings, and tea for just $19.99. It's bow time. Hey, guys. Seems like we hear too much about toxic masculinity these days and not enough about men being men. At Low Country Mail, we are focused on one thing, making men men again. For just 200 bucks a month, we take care of your testosterone, labs, physicals, doctor visits, and primary care. Want to be bigger, stronger, and last longer in the bedroom? Ask us about the P-Shot and the Big D-Wave Therapy. Book today, lowcountrymail.com, 864 864- 920-3066 Pelham Road, Greenville. Go Tigers! No road? No problem. Get to where you're going with a truck loan from Founders Federal Credit Union. Prepare for the drive of your life with our low rates and easy application process. Stay ahead of the curve. Founders also offers a variety of financing options for autos, motorcycles, campers, boats, recreational vehicles, and more. Whatever your transportation needs, Founders offers low fixed rates so you'll have an affordable payment that fits your budget. Let a Founders loan officer be your trusted partner to make sure your purchase makes sense for you. Plan your budget in person at one of our many locations or online with our auto loan calculator. Enjoy a quick turnaround from application to funding, giving you more time to enjoy your new purchase. With truck and auto loans from Founders, there's no need to wait around. You have places to be, and we're here to help you get there. Apply today in Founders online at foundersfcu.com auto or by using the Founders app. Visit relaxjoinfounders.com to see if you qualify for membership. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. And now, back to the Mark Childress Show on WCCP 105.5 The Roar. When I'm from myself. 
Meaning, welcome back to the Mark Childress Show, episode number 54. Thanks for hanging out with me tonight. We'll be here with you till 9 o'clock, as we are every Wednesday night um, through the end of the football season this year. Appreciate you guys being here. If you're listening uh, in your car, if you're listening in an internet browser or on the Roar app, head on over to Facebook. You can get me on uh, the Mark Childress Show Facebook page or the Roar's Facebook page. Great way to hang out, uh, participate with the show. We keep the mics open, the comments open during the breaks. So if you've got any questions for me that you don't want to ask on the air, um, you're welcome to jump in that way. Also, we will have open phones this segment, 864-654-7627. If you're in the upstate, 654-7627. Give me a call, man, if you've got any questions, you want to talk NFL, college football, Clemson, uh, anything along those lines, man, we'll be covering all of those things. All right, going to welcome Faxon uh, Childress back in for this segment. Uh, Faxon, I was looking at some of the SEC betting lines for this weekend, and uh, obviously when you throw the spreads in there, they always get interesting. I think the game that I am most interested in watching this weekend, since Clemson is off, is Tennessee at South Carolina. Tennessee is favored by three points in this one. What are your thoughts on the Vols taking on the Gamecocks? Yeah, and we covered this yesterday on me and I was sure. I'm taking a push in that game. I think Tennessee's going to win by exactly three points. Okay, so you're, you're could, taking a cop out then. I could see the Gamecocks <laughs> winning the game. I wouldn't be surprised at all if South Carolina won. This is the perfect game that they kind of... They kind of get themselves into an, a weird game that's kind of a defensive battle, and they have a chance to score late, and they do it. Obviously, they've got Mike Bobo in at OC now, and uh, Colin Hill's been named the starter. So yep. it'll be interesting to see the dynamic for both teams because I do not think Jared Gorantano for the Volunteers is the answer at quarterback at all. He's not very good. So um, I'm expecting a defensive battle. I'm going to say 24-21 Vols. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think Tennessee will win this ball game. I mean, uh, you know, Bobo's come out and said that He's going old school. He's going to bring back the huddle. Um, he's got a quarterback that he's comfortable with that was with him at Colorado State that, of course, has transferred in instead of using uh, the young gun, Helensky, to be his quarterback. I think you're going to see them just trying to not make mistakes, ball control, um, take as much time off of that clock, shorten the game, things like that. I don't know if that makes you excited. If you're a South Carolina fan, and especially when everybody else in college football is going tempo, 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 push, 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 for you to say, or, again, at least that's what you're saying. Maybe they don't come out and do this. But you're, for you to say, hey, we're going to go slow. We're going to take our time. We're going to huddle. We're going to run the football more. I just think that's an interesting take. I think Tennessee's going to win this game. We'll know really quick, I think, about both of these teams. There's a lot of people that are really high on Tennessee right now. I don't think I'm thinking Tennessee's winning eight or nine football games this year. I've seen people pick uh, Tennessee to win the SEC East. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Tennessee's a six or seven win team. I think South Carolina's a three or four win team. I don't know if the home field advantage, I mean, being down in Columbia, that place can get really loud, and uh, the crowd really gets into the ball game down there. Obviously, you're going to have the smaller crowd. Uh, we have no idea how COVID-19 is going to impact the rosters of these games, obviously. I think I'll go Tennessee on that one as well. I would give the three points. I could see Tennessee winning this one by a couple of scores. Maybe you were saying uh, maybe a late score, South Carolina could sneak out a win, but I, I see you know Tennessee tacking on that touchdown with four minutes left to win it like you know, 31-21 or something. 
something like that. So I think our heads are uh, in about the same place. Okay, another game uh, over on the SEC that I'm super interested in that I want to ask you about is Florida minus 12 at Ole Miss. I got a buddy of mine, Wayne Pendle, here hanging out on Facebook with us. He wants me to uh, talk about uh, Florida. So, Fax, he's a big Gators fan. So I'm going to ask you about Kyle Trask, and I know what you're going to say, but be nice because Wayne's hanging out and watching. I, for the record, I pick Florida to win the SEC East, and I think Florida as a team is very good. I do too. Kyle Trask, not a huge believer in, but I do think he can win ball games as long as he doesn't turn the ball over. And I'm going to take Florida with the points in this game. I think there's a good chance uh, Florida thrashes Ole Miss. I don't think Ole Miss has a ton of talent on either side of the ball, and Lane Kiffin's going to have to kind of get incorporated uh, down there. It's kind of a weird personality match, but I'm going to take Florida by 21 points. When uh, Florida and South Carolina play, you think that game's going to be 7-6? to Because I don't think either t- either team is dynamic offensively. The only reason I think it's going to be closer, I'll take Florida in a closer game. Lane Kiffin, I don't care who you give him from an offensive perspective. He is one of the most gifted play callers on offense in the country. So I fully expect him to have all kinds of tricks up his sleeve. How good can the Florida offense be, right? Because I, I don't think we're both big believers in Trask. Also, I'm picking Florida to win the SEC East as well. I'm definitely not a believer in uh, in Georgia. So I think we're both in agreement there, although I think that game could be a little bit closer. I'll still take Florida and the points. You know, the rest of these games are blowouts. Any of these jump out to you, facts? In Mississippi State at LSU, uh, Georgia at Arkansas, Alabama at Missouri, Vanderbilt at Texas A&M. Every one of those games is 20 points or more on the spread. I would say that uh, Mississippi State LSU would be the only one that I could say could get interesting just mm-hmm. because Mike Leach, you know, their offense is going to put up points. And LSU's do it. They lost a lot of talent to begin with, and they have some COVID positive tests. So their roster is going to look really weird and thin. Mm-hmm. Um, and if Mississippi State's running up the tempo on them, I could just see some fatigue issues, especially with no spring practice. You know, we don't know who's been staying in shape, but um, I still think that LSU has a good chance to win that game. I see people all over the place about LSU. There are some people that are saying that they're going to be a playoff team and that even though they've lost so much talent, they're still going to be great. They are decimated. I mean, it's the most uh, NFL talent that's ever been lost off of a college football roster. They lose Chase, who uh, you know said he was going to sit out this season. They've lost two or three transfers in the last couple of weeks. I mean, you've got to have depth to win in the SEC. Every game that you're going to play, you're playing against really good talent. And for the most part, you're playing against really deep teams. I think the ones for LSU are going to be really good. But as we're seeing with Clemson, they're getting their twos and their threes ready, especially with COVID. I mean, I feel like LSU is, you know, two COVID positive tests away from being a five and five team if they're not careful. I see them as a seven win team this year, but a lot of folks haven't won in nine or ten. What do you think? I think seven or eight is generous. And I just really a lot of that is Burrow. He's gone. And you have this innovative QB that comes in, and you have Joe Brady, who's also on the Panthers now. They've been putting up some points the last couple of games. Yep. These two guys left the program, and you have an unproven quarterback. You have an unproven OC. Your best receiver, the best receiver in the country, Jamar Chase, he's going to be a top 10 pick. He's sitting out the season. So now all of a sudden, you're relying on a quarterback that's never started a game for your, for your school to throw to a bunch of receivers he's not comfortable with because they haven't practiced with that are also inexperienced. And it just seems like a scenario where – there still is a lot of talent on that team. I would say specifically on the defensive side of the ball, and I think their defense and their secondary is going to be decent. I just can't see them putting up all these points like they did last year to win shootout games. 
I don't think that's going to be LSU's brand this year. I think you're going to see a lot more of running the football on offense, and I think this is just destined for a seven to two, uh, seven and three, eight and two season, and they kind of fizzle out towards the end. Yeah, which besides last season is basically what LSU's been for the better part of the last uh, decade or even you know twelve years uh, on and off. And if it happens, and then we go the next couple, two or three years, and they can't get a quarterback going to have to start having a serious convo about Coach O because he was on the hot seat before they won the national title. The entire fan base was like, can we win the national title with this guy? What's the deal with that Orgeron? And at USC, he got ran off. Yep. I mean, we got to have a serious conversation about Coach O if they can't replicate that success. All right, hey, if you want to jump in, you got any questions for us, 864-654-7627. You can also come over on the Facebook, either the Roar's Facebook page or the Mark Childress Show's Facebook page. Jump in the comments uh, if you've got any thoughts or want us to answer any questions. All right, we're going to uh, pivot to baseball a little bit. I wrote this at the very top of my notes. Braves back to back to back National League East champs. Braves clinching last night with a win over the Marlins. Uh, Phillies dumped a couple of games yesterday as well that helped them. So we're about a week away. In fact, we're exactly a week away from the Atlanta Braves hosting the opening game of the playoffs against a team we know they will be better than looking for a playoff series win. And I get really irritated this time every year. Since 2001, the Braves have not won even one playoff series. And it's weird for me. I'm a huge Braves fan. And when I look at my Braves, I feel like it's 1998, 95, 96, that era, where the team is really great. But for better part now, the last two decades, they've had some good runs. They've won some divisions. But they have done absolutely nothing in the postseason. And there's multiple times where they were a much better team in the postseason and lost anyway. The Braves have to get the monkey off the back this season. You know, obviously... They lost to the Cardinals last year when they just got blown out in Game 5, which still leaves a scar. Braves have a lot of flaws this season, but I really do think they can win that opening three-game series at home and make it to the, uh, you know, I guess, divisional round, if you will, um, in the bubble after that. So, uh, Faxon, what are your thoughts? Yeah, also some news just from tonight. I don't know how this is going to impact the Braves in the playoffs. Max Fried has gone down with an injury in the first inning. He tweaked his ankle, and they pulled him from the game. They call, they're calling it a precaution and said he should be good to go for oh. his next start. But another pitching injury for the Braves. And I think that the Braves should have won the, the, uh, the series against the Cardinals last year in three games. There's absolutely no excuse to lose to that team that got swept by the Nationals. That team was not very good. And I think a lot of that just deals with the Braves didn't throw their best pitchers. I mean, Mike Soroka pitched one out of the five playoff games, and obviously now he's injured, so the Braves don't have that luxury this year. But we're talking about a legitimate Cy Young candidate that pitched in one playoff game for the Braves last year. So I'm really interested to see what Brian Snicker's moves are with the pitching rotation come playoff time. I would like to be optimistic and say I think the Braves can win the opening series because I don't think that the team that they will be playing is very good. It will be one of the... Brewers, Giants, Reds, or Phillies, I think, are the four teams in that wild card range right now. The Braves are better than all of those teams and by a wide margin as well. And I expect the Braves to put up five-plus runs on a consistent basis in these playoff games. But with that being said, left-handed pitching statistically gets rocked every year in the playoffs. Left-handed pitching, and we've seen Clayton Kershaw, one of the greatest pitchers in the history of the sport, he gets rocked every year. And the Braves' best pitcher is a left-hander. It's Max Fried. We saw Dallas Keuchel for the Braves' left-hander last year get rocked. 
the Braves don't have enough starting pitching to win the World Series, just objectively speaking. Um, they're going to have to get five to six runs a game to even stay in the game with a team like the Dodgers, a team like the Padres, and I just don't see that happening. But hopefully they can win this playoff series in this sort of modified uh modified playoff format to kind of give them a boost going into next year they can get so they can re-sign marcelo zuna they can bring back some pitching everyone gets back healthy and hopefully they can make a run of the world series next year yeah i'm with you on that and again my goal is just to win a playoff series anything after that is cake yeah it looks like uh, freed gave up two homers in the first don't know what's going on sorry i bought the braves topic up because i'm a little bit testy about it already as you can tell and now you're telling me freed who just came off the injured list uh now might have tweaked his ankle a little bit and in typical braves fashion Braves give up two in the top of the first. They score three in the bottom of the first, and they're back up on top. So this is a fun Braves team to watch. If the offense on this Braves team had been on any Braves team for maybe 1996 until now, I think the Braves would have won a couple playoff series, and they might have won a World Series. I mean, they've always had great pitching. They've never had the bats. This is a brutal lineup to face. And like you said, I mean, they blasted Garrett Cole. They, I mean, any of the big pitchers, the number ones on a lot of big teams and a lot of the number ones that they'll be seeing in the postseason are, t- are pitchers that the Braves beat up on during this regular season. So if they can get any pitching at all, they could make a run. They're not going to win the World Series. I just want to win that one playoff series. And I think you're going to see a lot of creativity when it comes to the pitching come playoff time. I think you're going to see a lot of arms up on the playoff roster. You're going to see some games that are bullpen. You're going to see some unorthodox players start games. You're going to see maybe some short leashes with guys that you're typically used to trying to throw five or six innings. And it's really what the Braves have to do. They don't have enough quality arms to to say, hey, go get me seven innings of three-run ball and we'll go get you runs. That's just not the realistic scenario. That's not where the Braves are at right now. So you're going to have to trust in some guys that are inexperienced. And uh, it doesn't bode a lot of confidence. But the lineup, it's the best in the NL. I would say the second best in the MLB, maybe behind the Chicago White Sox. Every position is stacked lineup-wise for the Braves. I mean, there's really no holes in the lineup. So with anyone at the plate in the current Braves lineup, I'm confident that they can get ahead if they need to in a big moment. And that's a really valuable thing to have. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. And uh, so many two to one, three to two brutal losses that the Braves have had in their playoff history over the course of the last 20 years. You get the feeling every single one of these games in the playoffs this year is going to be seven to six or uh, something like that. So uh, and man, appreciate you hanging out with me this segment as well. Again, talking a little SEC football, talking a little bit of Braves. All right, one hour left in the show. We got some good guests coming up as well. After the break, we're going to go back talking Clemson football and a little bit of college football as well with my good buddy Ellis Tolbert. Ellis is great on the X's and O's. We're going to break down uh, what his thoughts are on the Clemson offense and Clemson defense so far this season. I'm going to put him to the test on a couple of other teams as well. This is the Mark Childress Show. Broadcasting live from the Priority One Security Studios, WCCP 105.5, Clemson, Greenville, Anderson, WAHT, 1560 Cowpens, 97.5 Spartanburg, the Upstate's number one choice for sports. We are the Roar. 
Hey Tigers, this is Taj Boyd with Lakeside Lodge Clemson. Nobody loves fall more than a Clemson Tiger, and there is no better place to be this fall than Lakeside Lodge Clemson. This one-of-a-kind condo hotel was built for Clemson alums by Clemson alums with killer views of Death Valley and Lake Hartwell from the patio. Plus, you can buy a condo and use it when you want, and we will rent it out when you don't. Come see it for yourself. Go to LakesideLodgeClemson.com to schedule a tour with me. Go Tigers! With so many new pet owners, Kezia's Grooming can't keep up. Kezia's Grooming? Sorry, we'll book solid through the weekend. I can give you a call back, though, if something opens up. It's time to hire. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. The moment you sponsor a job on Indeed, you get a short list of quality candidates from our resume database. Indeed delivers two and a half times more hires than the other branded job sites combined, according to Breezy HR 2019. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get a $75 credit for your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Warning. This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Inspiration is amazing. It can turn this into this. Put it all together and you get something special. Views is 